So we come to the scripture and we find out how we're going to grow in favor with God. Uh, that is our third category and derived from the list given about Jesus Christ, also with Samuel as well. And to start off with, we want to talk about favor. What does it mean to be in favor with someone? Um, because that's going to be key to this whole second half. So growing in wisdom, growing in stature, uh, we can uh, associate with probably more readily. And when you think of parenting, you think that's where your focus lies, uh, that I'm going to deal with their mental development and their, and their physical development. Uh, and certainly there's an f- element there. And then the last one, of course, uh, with favor with men is their social development. And we're going to be referencing a lot of scripture in that respect also. We th- often think that that's our requirement, that they are socially uh, able to function. And we're going to take a little different tact on that when we get there. Um, but in favor with God is something we don't always necessarily understand our role of parenting in relation to. And for several reasons. Uh, one, because we don't really know if, what it means to be in favor with God uh, in that phraseology that Luke uses both in the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And as I said, the, he's the only one that's using this phraseology, uh, this word. Uh, but also in the uh, nature of how does I, I, a parent, develop that when it seems that God simply chooses whom he favors? And we often approach this kind of from a Calvinistic model has greatly influenced it, that, well, God favors whoever he chooses to favor, that this is somewhere in his deep eternal will and that we have no influence on that. And, of course, you know where I stand in that respect, but that influence is still very much there. So let's talk a little bit about favor first. Then we're going to talk about the role that we have uh, in general terms. And we're going to start into the idea of discipline in bringing our child uh, to grow in, their, in favor with God. So let's look at a few words of this, a uh, few uses of this word favor. Uh, so we're going to begin not in the description of Christ that we already looked at in Luke, but we're going to go earlier to Luke chapter 1. And so this is where Luke first uses this Greek word. Um, There is a Hebrew word that is equivalent. Uh, There are a couple of them, but there's only one place where it's really used equal to this, uh, and that is with reference to Samuel and and, uh, a few other places. So we're going to reference those down the road a piece, but let's look at this one. Uh, We, of course, have the announcement of Christ's birth being given to Mary, in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, it says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. So we have this description. Many have tried to put in their highly graced one or, or you have found, you have found been, that God's grace is being extended to you. And that really does a disservice to this word that really talks about 
the idea that this is a response of God to her. And it is not that she had nothing to do with it and that God just unilaterally chose her and therefore grace is something you haven't deserved, but rather that you have brought pleasure to God that of all the, the maidens in Israel, he chose you to be the one who would carry the, the um, seed of David and the Holy One of Israel. And so um, it, there was that in her life that God favored. He looked and smiled upon. He was pleased with it. And those, that, that word is very carefully constructed that way, uh, to just remove the idea that there was something in how Mary was living um, is, does injustice to this. And so it's a hot, the word really entails that, that you are doing that, that allows this one, this occasion, it's God. Um, and most often Luke is associated with God, but he does also associate it with men. That we look with favor upon you, that we will smile at you, that we will be pleased with it, we will be leaning toward your benefit, your goodness, because of something we're seeing in your life, a consistency that is there. And so um, we often think, well, that's only the spiritual realm. She must have been a really, really godly woman. And of course, uh, the Catholic with the Muslim forcing the issue um, made her then this pseudo-demigod status uh, and that's going too far the other direction, where she, her, her near deity herself, that she becomes the mother of God, um, is, is emphasized. And so we want to be careful not to go there either. Um, but rather, she was one who, in her consistent living, wasn't just spiritual matters, but it was also physical matters. And that's going to be really important in our development. Of, we often disassociate the spiritual from the physical, which is weird. Um, it's foreign to the Bible um, that we disassociate the physical and spiritual so much, and we really delve into this concept of flesh being inherently evil, which it is not. It is described in Scripture as the, as the seat of sin, but yet we know that sin is a spiritual matter as well as well as a mental matter, that we conceive these things in our mind, in our heart, um, and that not just in our brain and our organs. And so um, the Bible doesn't dissociate these like this. We're going to talk about that as we go through this. But when we talk and we see this, the, the, that God has favor on her, it wasn't just the disciplines of her life and the manner in which she was living and the godliness that was there, that she, was trying, that she was a virgin, that she was trying to do things right, she was trying to be a, a good young lady of Israel. Um, but it's also the physical side, that she had to have the right lineage. She had to have the right blood in her. She had to be of the right line. She had to be of the line of David. And that's why we have um, two genealogies presented to us, that, that we have a genealogy of Christ um, that fulfilled the prophetic requirements, also included at least two, if not three or four, instances of kinsman redeemer in her line so um ruth was there or, i'm sorry yeah ruth and and um uh, rahab and and so these instances in the old testament of kinsman redeemer were in her line so it wasn't just that she matched what god was looking for in the person but also in the physicality so she was favored it was pleased god it was it it, it 
it fulfilled all of what he was looking for in one who would be chosen for this task. And uh, similarly with others, um, even with Noah, the idea that he was perfect, uh, that word really entails more than just that he was walking with God by faith and not by sight, but also that he was physically pure, that he did not have that, that uh, impurity that was uh, described there in Genesis when the sons of God intermarried with the daughters of men and created the giants that were in the land. And so he was free of that. So it wasn't just a spiritual matter God looks at, but he also looks at the physicality. And so, yes, there is some physical aspects of raising your child to be in favor with God, as you're going to see pretty quick under the dis disciplines of, of spiritual life. And so uh, this is the first use we really have of this Greek word by Luke. Uh, we have it again, the description of how Christ was growing, and we've already looked at that. Uh, I want to jump ahead to the book of Acts. Let's go to the book of Acts, which is used several times by Luke um, in the early chapters. And let's pick up in verse uh, chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 2, we'll pick up there. Um, verse 43 well, let's go to 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized that day. 3,000 souls were added to them. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor, there's our word, with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And so we almost expect that, well, at that point, it should be having favor with God. But they were having favor with men. So we're going to come back to this when we get to the fourth category. But I want to include it here as we study the idea of favor that this was something that when people looked at the Christians, how they lived their lives as a community, how they uh, operated, what they did, and the spirit among them, and the activities that they engaged in, when everyone in town looked at the church, when they looked at how these people were carrying themselves and, and, and walking, it, it pleased them. That is, no one really wanted to oppose them among the people that they saw them as a benefit, that they are they're the benefactor of our society, that our world is better for having them. And so we, we're coming into their favor. Not that I am, and we often use this as I'm asking a favor of you, I'm wanting something from you, but that's not. It is something that is granted to someone, a goodness that I grant to someone um, be, based upon how they have lived in front of me. And so it is not undeserved, it is very much deserved. This is not undeserved favor, um, it is deserved. And that's a little bit, dis that, that's a necessary distinction. Because grace and mercy are undeserved. That is, we don't earn them, we, we don't um, achieve toward them. Our works aren't uh, attributed to grace, because as soon as there's works, there's no grace. And so we receive grace, and then in thanksgiving, we respond to grace with works, faith works. Um, but what we don't go is the next step, that when God looks at our works, we receive his favor. 
That is, he is pleased with it. He looks at us, and now that is a deserved such situation, but yet we recognize that it's really undeserved because the only way I could ever please God is if he did this saving work in me first, right? So he had to save me first, and I had to receive his Holy Spirit, his forgiveness, bring him as a child. Now I'm capable of, of pleasing him. Now I have the opportunity uh, to uh, say no to the flesh, no to the old self, and now I have a new nature, and I can walk in that new nature. But also we know that even Christians can walk in the old nature. They can choose to serve themselves, the flesh, the devil, um, the world, if they choose to. And that's why we have so many instructions of God's word. Do not love the world, and there are things that are in the world. Um, because you can still do that. And so the idea that of this secondary use of the word favor is a deserved response. It is something that you do earn by your activity. And so these people, in their living lives together, having everything in common, taking care of one another, um, so their, their people were keeping the law, they weren't, they weren't in trouble with the police, uh, they were taking care of one another, they weren't out there begging, they were caring for their own widows, they were caring for their own people, uh, they, they had fellowship with one another, that all of these things, society looked upon that and with favor, with pleasure, they said, well, this is acceptable. This is something that's good. This is a benefit to us. And that is the idea of favor here. Now let's keep going in Acts because Luke is going to use that term again uh, twice during Stephen's sermon in Acts chapter 7. He's going to use it uh, a couple of times. Um, in verse, let's start in verse 9. Jump down to verse 9 of Acts 7. It says, And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him and delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. And so again, this idea is of Pharaoh looking with favor, with pleasure uh, upon him, that God made Joseph uh, in Pharaoh's favor. Why? How did he do that? Well, he obviously gave the explanation the, 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 of the uh, dream that Pharaoh had, and Pharaoh then looked upon that with such, he said, is there any man among us with such wisdom, as, and, and for whom God is for them, God is, is on his side, than Joseph. So why don't we make Joseph in charge of Solving this dilemma, that we're going to have seven great years and seven really, 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 really bad years. So let's put Joseph second in the kingdom. That's that idea. Pharaoh was so pleased with what Joseph was doing. And so this, again, was this deserved or undeserved? Did Pharaoh have a reason to favor Joseph? Yes, he had, it was deserved favor. The origin of that action was God blessed Joseph. And Joseph then incurred the favor of Pharaoh. And that's the use here, uh, referring to Joseph in, in this text. Uh, we then have, uh, again, another example of this. Yeah, but let's start in verse 44. Our fathers had the tabernacle witness in the wilderness as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, 
whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. So, what was it that David did to incur the favor of God, that pleased God? God was happy that David wanted this in his heart. What was it? He wanted to build a temple. He said, I, wanna, I, I live in a house of cedar panels. God lives in a tent. That's not right. I want to build God a house. That heart, that desire in David pleased God. It put him in favor with God. All right? And so God responded and said, well, you're not really the man for it. I, I appreciate the sentiment and the heart is right. Um, that's all good. And, and, and I, I, I smile upon what you want. And by the way, David was the one that drew up all the plans set by all the provisions, by and large, not all of them, but a large portion of what would be in the temple proper in its functioning. And so God incorporated him in the process, but the actual building would fall on someone who hadn't shed so much blood. But the idea here is that God favored this desire in David. And so David was favored by God. Was that earned, deserved, or undeserved? It was deserved. It was in response to who he was and what he wanted to do. And I'm saying all this because I don't want to confuse what we're talking about. We're going to be talking about two very different things. One is about bringing your child into a knowledge of God that they might receive him as Savior and Lord. And that is one aspect but that is not the end of your parenting responsibilities, and that is not really what it means fully to grow in favor with God. It is taking it to the next step that not only do they understand their sin, and we've talked about that with wisdom, right? What is the wisdom of God? What is wisdom? Do you remember that? The fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Okay, so we've already taught them about sin to bring them to salvation. This is that we might not only see our children accept Christ as their Savior, but to grow in favor with God means that they are going to do and say that which pleases God. Earned favor, earned pleasure that God smiles upon the manner of their life which is what we desire. Hopefully, hopefully that's what I'm trying to help you do, is to walk in favor with God. That is that God looks upon your life and smiles and, and is pleased by it, that you are walking, that you're in favor of God, that he approves of how you live your life and the attitudes and the actions and the words that you are engaged in. And so these are two very different uses of a root word that is similar, right? So grace and, and the word, the Greek word for this favor, um, but I don't want you to confuse them. One is God granting us salvation because of his love for us. You cannot earn it. You couldn't deserve it. But the other one is earned and deserved. All right? And so, so there's both elements. We have focused so much on grace, 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 that we've forgotten there's also the favor of God that is built on what you have done, your works. And that's what James tries to teach us. You know, don't you understand that God wants good works? He wants those. And, and if you really read the scriptures, you find it consistent throughout there that he looks upon your works 
and that how, how he determines to favor you. And so we want to distinguish between grace and this word favor. One is undeserved, and we definitely want to bring our children to a salvific uh, commitment in their life, but we also have responsibility as a parent to help them grow in favor with God, which is a response that is deserved if earned. Okay, are you, are you earning the favor of God? Uh, you can't earn his grace, but you can earn his favor. All right? Some might call it his blessing, that you want the blessing of the Lord. That's a very common word used in the Old Testament, that I want God to bless me. Well, you're looking for his favor. Can you bless me with this? Well, he blesses in accordance with our walk of faith, walk being the activity of life. And so that's an important distinction I want to make. When we talk about, I want my child to grow spiritually, we often think, well, I want to get them saved. Um, well, you're correct, that is an aspect of it, um, but I'm not sure that uh, your two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old uh, is necessarily ready to make those kinds of decisions in life. Uh, you are getting them to grow in wisdom, which will introduce the fear of the Lord, the knowledge, the hatred of evil, and the necessity of salvation. And so I would associate salvation much more with growing in wisdom than in the favor with God. The favor with God element is really about God looking on how you live your life, whether he's approving or disapproving of it. And that's not just spiritual matters, it is physical matters as well. What you do with your time from Sunday school this morning, with your energies, with your resources, with your abilities. All right, what are you doing with your speech? What are you doing with your thought life? What are you doing with your entertainment? What are you doing with all these things? Can God smile upon those and bless you? Um, or do we, are we looking for him to bless us in spite of them or because of them? Now, <clears throat> having laid that groundwork, and I wish everyone was here to have gotten that groundwork because we're going to have to revisit it because there are going to be lots of questions. We go along as pastor, why aren't you? Um, but this is why. Uh, it is not just about getting your child saved. It is about uh, and coming to a knowledge of Jesus Christ in that manner. It is about picking up the disciplines of life that please God and being careful not to confuse those with what it means to trust in God as Savior and Lord. And that requires wisdom on your part as a parent, as a science school teacher, as a grandparent, to distinguish those. I want you to learn these disciplines of life but you need to distinguish those between that and salvation, which may come much later in their life. All right, so, is, and so let's go to the law and look at the law. Were our children involved in keeping the law? At what point were children involved in keeping the law in Israel? What age did they start? Eight days old. They were to be circumcised if they were male. Okay. If they were male that opened the womb, they were also be dedicated to the Lord. There's a dedicatory offering, which is what Mary and Joseph brought with Jesus because he was a male that opened the womb. And so the firstborn male, if a male opened the womb, if your firstborn was a female, you didn't have that, um, but the firstborn male was dedicated to the Lord, uh, and every male had to be circumcised. So by eight days, you already had a requirement to engage your child physically in the activity of pleasing the Lord. What about from then on? Was that it? 
No. Okay, so we have all of the feasts of Israel. We have them engaged. And in fact, as God goes through, he says, when your children ask, why do we do this? You're going to tell them this story, the story of the Exodus. And so what do we know from that? We know that the expectation was your children are going to be right with you as you perform these religious activities. Your children should be with you asking you, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Now, uh, have your children gotten to the why question yet? Has Trevor gotten to why? 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 Okay. Uh, and we get annoyed by that, but God put the, instills that in them, and that is where we engage them. We tell them why. Why do we do this? And this is part of your training them to be in favor with God. Why do we do this? Well, it's just our tradition. It's our family practice. This is just what we do. Well, if those are your answers, you are not training them to be in favor with God. You're training them to be in favor with great-great-great-great-grandpa or whoever else started the tradition. Well, they're dead. Who cares about their favor? Okay? Um, it might offend grandpa if he's still alive. It might offend uh, your dad, your parents, if they're still alive, that you didn't follow their traditions or their practices. But if that's your answer, this is just the way we do it, then you're not really dealing in the realm that we're talking about here, the spiritual realm. But when your child comes and says, why do we do these things? Uh, that's going to be a huge part of your growing them in favor with God. We do this because God has done this for us. All right, so God has already graced us. He's given to us. Now, we are doing this because he commanded us to do these things. And we're not just doing it because he commanded us. Well, God told us to. Oh, well, now God is this, you know, guy up there telling you to do everything and not gracious. But the gracious God has given us this, so we do this because we are thankful to him, because we have this in our history, in our lives, and in our present life, and this is part of who we are. We are the children of God. And so we do this to remind ourselves about what God has done in our lives. And now we are helping our children begin the process of growing in the grace or I'm sorry, growing in the favor of God, in favor with God. I need to keep practicing things, things because God is pleased by them. But while we do that, remember, where did we start the story? Did we start the story with our behavior? No, you start the story with God's grace. God delivered us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And now we do this to please him. And so we continue to do this to seek his blessing and his favor. Because we are already the recipients of his grace. And so that has to be distinguished. Otherwise, you will bring forward a work salvation. If your story is we do this so we can go to heaven. Well, you have violated the grace principle that precedes uh, the favor principle. Grace must come before favor. You were receiving God's grace, now you're walking in grace, and then you receive favor. We want to train our children how to please God, how to be in his favor, and by doing that, we have to go back to the grace aspect, that I have been transformed by God's grace through the work of Jesus Christ, and they need to learn that, 
But they also need to learn, this is why I live the way I lived. I don't want my children to ever confuse the reason why I live is not to earn heaven. It's not to earn, because you can't earn grace. It's not to be deserving of heaven. It is to please God, to deserve his favor. Okay, that he can smile upon what I do and he can bless it. I already have secured eternity by his grace. I have tapped into his grace and believed in the Son, Jesus Christ. I am a benefactor of his grace. Now I want to seek in my actions to get his favor. And so that's why I live the way I do, because I want to please God and gain his blessing in this life and in one to come. Now, I have eternity secured because of his grace, but is there aspects of eternity that are built upon my works? See how well you know your scriptures. Are there aspects of your future eternity in heaven that are built upon your works of faith on earth? Yes, we understand that there is a judgment seat of Christ where we... The, all the wood, hay, and stubble over here, the stuff that doesn't really matter, you know, I recycled, you know, and I voted, I did all, you know, I gave blood, all those things that just burn up because they really have no eternal value. They're good, but they're not great. You know, they're not going to build your house out of it. Well, some people do, but not necessarily a good idea. And so they're going to burn up. And, but then there's gold, silver, and precious stone that endures. And we see that... that uh, those works are going to be rewarded. And so there are going to be people in heaven with nothing in their pockets, if you will, to serve God with, nothing in their hands to serve God with because they didn't do any works of faith. They were secured for eternity by his grace and receiving that, but they never gained his favor, his blessing, by doing work faith. And so they got in by the skin of their teeth or by the with the, the smell of smoke still on them, I think the Bible says. You know, they, they barely escaped. And there they are, with no faith works by which to worship God. And so God's going to grant you his, the, the eternal rewards of faith works. That's his favor, his blessings. So it's not only blessings here, that he's going to take care of you, he's going to... Uh, and, and by that I don't mean well, health, wealth, and all that. I'm talking about peace, joy, love, all those wonderful things that the world doesn't have. Of answered prayer life, of, of all those things that we're studying in John on Sunday mornings. And so that's based upon him favoring us, and that is deserved. And we, have, we need to be engaged in that, those works. And so uh, please recognize that I want to develop both of these, but I'm going to emphasize the favor side, not the salvation side. Um, Not that salvation is necessary. We're going to start there, certainly. But when they see your life, they're not seeing you get saved over and over again. All right? Did any of my children see me get saved? Did they see my life before I was a Christian and after I was a Christian? No, because they were born into a Christian home. Now, some children get to see their parents go through that transformation. If, if their parents get saved after they were born, they get to witness that. You know, and, uh, and there was a song, one of my, uh, one of my, I think it was my mom's, one of my mom's favorite songs, Something Happened to Daddy. 
um, and uh, that was sung back when I was a kid. And, and I didn't get to see that. I didn't get to see what happened to Daddy. I wasn't born when he got saved. All right? And it's the testimony of a child watching his dad be transformed by the gospel. Something happened to Daddy. Um, was Daddy got saved. He met Jesus. And things are different now. And so, um, and the song communicates all that. Well, my children get, get to see that. But what they did see every day, I hope, was that I was trying to please God. Sometimes I was more successful than other days. <laughs> okay? But my, the objective of my life was to find God's favor. Because I'd already received God's grace. And my children need to hear that. Why do you live like this? Because God saved me from my sin. I was a horrible person, and God delivered me from that. He gave me love, joy, peace. He gave me forgiveness. He gave me places. He did all this. I didn't deserve it. I was a dirty, rotten kid, I was, and, and he transformed me into his child. And so now this is why I live. So I go back to re rehearsing grace, but my children don't ever get to see grace. They don't get to see my salvation. They didn't see the transformation. They didn't see me go from a sinner to a saint. All their life, I've been a saint. What they see is me trying to fit, get God's favor. I want God to smile upon my life. And when I fail, I tell them I failed, you know, and, and I admit that. I, I say, well, I'm, i got to work harder at that, and I still do. But what we should be communicating to our child is we are seeking the favor of God. So we're going to grow in favor with God means that we're going to exercise the spiritual the disciplines of the Christian walk built upon a grace that's already been there. The problem now is you're going to be teaching the principles of the Christian walk to children who have not yet fully trusted in him. But you're already working on that through the wisdom, growing wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You're already working on that side by teaching them right from wrong and by smacking their little butts when they do wrong, right? You're going to pow and give and, or slap their hand or send them to the corner. Or, uh, as they get older, you're going to take away all, everything they own. You know, they're going to have to sit in their room naked on the floor. I don't know, you, you know, to... Now it's just take away their cell phone, and even then that's like killing them. And um, so you're going to have to use discipline to teach them right from wrong So because the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. We want them to hate evil so that they see evil in themselves, they recognize that there's a problem, and they need to come to Christ. But in this category, we want to see them develop spiritually. So we need to be able to distinguish these, and the way we do that is we always go back to our grace experience that they didn't get to see, we reference that and then tell them about our working uh, faith that we might gain his favor. So we do not ever have them thinking somehow that I go to church to earn heaven. That should never cross their mind. Because every time they ask you, why do we go to church? Why do we pray before we eat? Why do we read our Bibles? Why do we go to this? Why do we do that? Why don't we do this? Why don't we go to the? Why don't we go to that? Uh, you know, Johnny at school does this. The neighbor, you know, Mary down the street does this. Why can't we? And when we answer those questions, this is when we help them to understand. We go back to the grace event. God 
has Jesus Christ died for my sin and took it away, and I'm his child, and now this is what rules my life. We want to please God, and that's why all these things. If you keep every answer goes back to God's grace, they will never be confused between those two. They never think, we live this way to go to heaven. No, we live this way because we're on our way to heaven. And you need to be on your way to heaven as well. So that principle I need to lay out, and I know it's taken some time, but I, I needed to lay that front groundwork because I think we don't develop it enough. Um, I think we, in our back of our mind, we know it's there, but we don't teach it as such. And again, um, I think that's probably a, a mistake that we have. Uh, I think it's, it's, it is back there, and we know it. Once it comes forward, you say, well, yeah, of course, I recognize that. Um, but when you hear it the first time, you, th- you, you react against that. And, and so I need to take some extra time on that this evening. Do you have any questions on the difference between grace and favor tonight? And I don't really want to get, I, I was going to get into this discipline, but I only have five minutes, and we've got quite a few people not well. I know that several aren't feeling well. And so I'd, I would rather have them get in on this. Yes? Okay, the question is, does grace not produce blessing, but favor does? Um, obviously, the result of receiving God's grace is a wonderful thing. All right? It is, makes you a child of God, receives the Holy Spirit, uh, guarantee a place in heaven. Those are great Promises that are secured by Jesus Christ. Um, and we would view that, that as a blessing. Um, but what I'm talking about is a f- beyond that, a blessing that we can continue to receive. Um, in other words, once I am positionally right before God, and, sec- and that's why I keep using that word, once I have positionally secured those things, um, I'm in his hand, no one can take me out of his hand, all right? And so that blessing is secured. It is complete. And so I can even talk about it in the past tense if I wanted to. Um, So I am a child of God and I uh, will be in heaven. And and, and there's a secureness there. So that's a great blessing. That's a benefit. There's certainly a benefit. But what I'm talking about of the blessings, Lord, is that uh, it is... uh, something that is pressed down and overflowing. <laughs> that it just uh, continues to manifest itself again and again and again in various ways. So I'm not re-securing heaven, but rather I am having my faith strengthened. I am, I am delving into the love of God, the 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 joy and the rejoicing deeper and the, the peace is, is just uh, overwhelming. And uh, so all these things are developing in me more and more and more and more. Uh, and God's just raining those blessings on me. And um, that I know, like Paul, you know, whether I'm uh, cold and hungry or whether I'm well fed and clothed, I know to be content. Well, where does that contentment come from? That's a blessing of God. That I know how to be hungry, I know how to be full, um, and I can serve God and be faithful to him because he's faithful to me in whatever condition I'm in. I've learned whatever state to be in, to be content, even if that state is New Mexico, <laughs> um, as bad as it can be. 
Uh, I know that. And so these are the blessings of God that we're referring to that we seek to uh, receive and to do so isn't just um, accepting his grace. It is, it is working faith that brings these. And hopefully you're going to see that on Sunday mornings a lot. And, uh, but I'm trying to bring that. How do you teach this to a child? Any other questions? All right, well, let me introduce one other thing in three minutes. And that is, um, no, I'm not. I'm going to do it next week. Sorry, I'll do it next week because I want more people to be here. I want you to understand the the huge responsibility that is ours to bring children to Jesus. And we'll talk about that as the introduction to uh, the disciplines of the Christian life that we need to share with our children. So I know it's a long time just to explain one word, but I fear that it is one that is not well understood. And so we need to take some time to do that. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord God, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you again for a chance to look into your word. And, and we see from these, these examples of your scriptures, we know there are many there who by faith not only received your grace, and, but also by faith works received your blessing, your further blessings upon their life. And we pray that uh, it might be so in our lives, that we might... Uh, so live for you that our children would ask, why? Why do we do it? That we might be ready to go back and explain to them how wonderful you've already been to us and why we do it is because of your grace that we've already received. And now we want to demonstrate our thanksgiving to you and honor you in our lives that, that we might see a state of continued blessing. Lord, help us to uh, distinguish those, help our children to, to grasp them, and, and Lord, that it might be a priority of our parenting to see them spiritually develop in this area, that they might know not just years from receiving Christ, but the day after they receive Christ their Savior, know exactly what is needed to please you as a Christian walk, because they've seen it in the adults around them. And we pray that uh, that might be our role there, to show them. Uh, that which pleases you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.